Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 146 of Never on the Back Foot podcast. India has had a shock exit in the ongoing Asia Cup. It thereby becomes pertinent to evaluate India's T20 formula in the wake of this disappointing tournament for Team India. Going by what has transpired in the Asia Cup so far, India needs to answer several tricky questions quickly if they want to improve their performance in Australia next month. On the podcast today for the discussion, we have Rishabh. He is an ardent cricket lover, passionate follower of the game, who has worked as an intern on the sports news desk of Times Network, text commentator at Sportskeeda, writer and admin of RCB fan club Nama Team RCB. Hi Rishabh, welcome to Never on the Backfoot podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today, and I've been watching. I've been. I've watched a lot of your episodes, and I think what you're doing at Never on the Backfoot is something really great for you to be doing. And I'm. I'm personally really excited to be here today. Like I've got a standard to live up to, so I hope I can. <laughs> Thank you so much for the kind and encouraging words, Rishab. I mean, you know, being a part of this journey will be fun. And our topic for discussion is really interesting, right? Now, India's dreams of lifting the 2022 Asia Cup has obviously received a major setback. We lost two consecutive games in the Super Four. We had a good game versus Afghanistan too. Now, considering the start that India had, how surprised were you with everything that you know the way everything turned out? And uh, thoughts on India's campaign so far? It is. It is definitely surprising because uh, see, going into the Asia Cup, you look at India as the favorites to win the tournament right we won the previous year as well we were the defending champions hmm. and the way they started off like you said they had the two good games and then uh, the two games that we had to win i think against sri lanka and pakistan we failed to finish those games i mean against pakistan as well at the death and against sri lanka you uh, gave the opposite you gave the opposition an opportunity to take the game away right at the start of their chase the kind of hmm. partnership sri lanka had at the start i think that was pretty much the game done for them in the chase right then and there so finishing of games is something that india lacked i think in those two games which you do not expect from this indian team yes they did have a good finish against afghanistan but if they could have gone in with that similar all out approach that they went in against afghanistan in those previous two games then perhaps we would have been playing the final of this asia cup so yeah Exactly, you know, different approach versus Afghanistan. Had they, you know, carried on, if they had played the same way they did in the other matches too, we might have seen a different result. Now, India's opening match, right, in the twenty twenty two T twenty World Cup against it's against Pakistan. Now, this is an MCG. It's just six weeks away, and uh, I wouldn't call India's campaign miserable, but it has certainly raised some questions, right, over India's preparation, the kind of uh, team combinations, and everything that's going on. So, what are your thoughts? And uh, you know. is it a major cause for concern the way things are going uh looking at the combination going into the t20 world cup i think yes there is some cause of concern because we've seen a lot of uh, chopping and changing you know just after losing that game against pakistan there were three or four changes for the next game so i think before going into the t20 world cup with just uh, not a lot of time to go now you've got to have your best 11 sorted like like you know these are our best guys and we are going to play them in every game no matter what so that is uh, one concern and like i mentioned before finishing games mm-hmm. uh, we failed to finish well against pakistan and we haven't been able to put teams under enough pressure in crunch situations is what i feel so that is something that india will have to look at going into the t20 world cup because it is a big tournament it could still get away like it was an asia cup fine but at a big stage t20 world cup you are playing in australia there's no room to get away so they'll have to look back sit and look back at this campaign of their asia cup where they've gone wrong and they've got to look at the combinations as well i think with not a lot of time go i think we just have two series against australia mm-hmm. and south africa before the world cup right yeah I mean, you know, these series will be uh, crucial, you know, for India to figure out their combination. And even when we have a look at uh, Rahul Dravid and Rohit Sharma, now ever since they took charge, there was this key emphasis on, you know, uh, India's uh, trophy drought in multi-nation multi-nation tournaments to come to an end. Because during the Ravi Shastri and Kohli era, there were a lot of concerns, you know, that they were not winning enough. But again, this combo has brought in a lot of experiments, and uh, you know, that has arguably been the 
uh, thing that they've been doing a lot in charge. Now, how well has that worked for India, according to you? I think uh, if you look at the structure of India's cricket, you know, with the IPL and the domestic circuit, we have a lot of youngsters, a lot of talented players coming in. So keeping mm-hmm. that perspective in mind, you should have like at least 20 to 25 really good players who can go out and uh, represent you. Like we had a separate test team and a separate T20 team playing yes. together, right? So when it comes out well, it really does come out well. But then the thing is, again, you don't want too much of chopping and changing because Again, when you're going into a big tournament, you know, like it's your main guys who are basically coming back to play. So at that time, it, I think it hurts the combination. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I feel is uh, like that has been the major concern for India, not winning uh, major tournaments and mm-hmm. uh, just doing well in bilateral tournaments is that, uh, you know, we've struggled for that sixth bowling option is what I feel. Like we saw going in with five bowlers did not bear fruitful results in this Asia as well right so India yeah. have got to look at that sixth bowling option and uh, they've got to look at the middle order as well like if you have your top three like uh, Rohit, Virat and Rahul said there's no certainty in the middle order one day there's Pant playing one day you have DK playing so I think there's got to be that stability in the side is what I feel and there is somewhere where you cannot experiment a lot you can experiment in bilateral tournaments that's fine but when you're going into an Asia Cup or a big tournament you have to play your best 11 because those are the tournaments where you play to win right Mm -hmm. I think you really do bring in a very good point right now when we look at India now they have played the most number of T20s this year now 25 right this is a lot in comparison to the 11 played by England and 9 played by Australia so far and India has tried out as many as 28 players since the start of the year but I think they get to zero in on that you know exact playing 15 who will actually uh, you know board the plane to Australia for the World Cup so I think there are a lot of players coming in and out and it is good to have you know a lot of options but uh, do you think you know the series that's going to come up against uh, South Africa and Australia will present us a clearer picture of who will be the playing 11? I think these couple of series have to give us a clear picture. I don't think there has to be a lot of talking and changing. You've got to play your best 11 in these two series because you don't want to be experimenting here. right? You've got to give your best set of players enough game time in these six games to prepare them going into the World Cup. Yeah. And we have, like I mentioned earlier, with the IPL coming in and our domestic, we have a strong domestic circuit. We do have a lot of players coming in, but then at one point it can also bring a problem of plenty. Hmm. Uh, there's uh, like you're spoiled for choices if you look at it in one perspective. <laughs> yeah. So because you try a lot of what happens is in this bilateral series uh, you play a lot of players you give the youngsters chance and all of that but when you come back to your main tournaments you have your core set of big players coming back in right mm-hmm. so i think that is where players coming in and coming out really uh, creates a problem because then you don't know the situation you have played certain players against a particular team in a particular condition and then when you're going in multinational tournaments Mm. you have your main players coming back conditions are different every team has uh, there are more number of teams who have different strategies so then it i think there's a whole imbalance in the combination that comes out over there Mm. so it's good to have a lot of players but then you've you've got to zero in on particular players based on what role or against what opposition you want them to play you cannot have everybody playing at every time Fair enough. That is actually a good point. And earlier in the episode two, you spoke about how India has been winning a lot of bilateral series. Now, this is with different team combinations and, you know, uh, the 15 that's chosen. But again, in multi-format tournaments, we have often, you know, come so close, yet we have been so far from winning the elusive uh, trophy, right? Now, if you had to put in perspective, what is choking India? Like, you know, is it not getting the team combo right? And we see unlikely teams like Australia winning the T20 World Cup. But India is such a a talented uh, place, right? We produce such good players. We have the IPL. So what, according to you, is exactly. choking India and stopping us? I think it brings me back to the point that I mentioned before that India, if you look at the combination of the team, is not ready to play with uh, five bowlers. Hmm. And we've really struggled with that sixth bowling option throughout the last few years, which is why we haven't been able to go all the distance. 
in the big tournaments. I don't think batting has ever been a problem for mm. India. It's, it's always been a batting powerhouse. But the combination when it comes down to the lower order or the bowling, I think that is where we have struggled for balance, which is why we haven't been able to go the distance in uh, ICC tournaments or big tournaments. I think that is a major reason, not getting the combination right, constantly making uh, changes. You know, after the till the 2015 World Cup, Mm -hmm. Or 2019 World Cup, even if you look at it, we had a pretty much settled team. But after that, the last two, three years, we've had a lot of changes of players. Yes. So then that affects the balance of the team, right? Like if you mm -hmm. aren't playing a consistent set of players throughout for a longer period of time, then it's going to be difficult for you to go out and uh, all of a sudden bring in a set of players and uh, win in this big tournament. So mm -hmm. it, it basically comes down to the combination of the side is what I feel. But Rishabh, now when we talk about having a look at another perspective, we have an insane FTP, right? This is round-the-clock cricket. We have so many series going on. At the same time, you know, India can feed like four teams, you know, considering the talent we have. Now, you know, putting this FTP into question, we have to also understand that, you know, not playing the first choice, playing 11 regularly is also, you know, preserving them from injuries to, you know, keep them ready for bigger match situations. So how do you, uh, you know, make of the situation? Like we have talent, we can make them play different series, but that also means not putting our first choice playing 11 in play always, right? So what are your thoughts on this? I think this has always been something that has really been uh, debatable, you know, like, yes, you do bring out new talents, you prepare them for going into big tournaments. But when you when it comes to the big tournaments, again, you've got uh, your key players coming back in, your mm -hmm. big players. So then if you're resting them for bilateral series and you aren't playing them uh, and you're just suddenly bringing them back for the big tournaments, again, it, it, there is uh, some uh, tinkering to the combination, right? Because yeah. there is lack of experience, like no matter you make these players play the bilateral series and all of that, but playing in multi-nation tournaments or ICC tournaments is a different ballgame altogether. The pressure mm -hmm. is completely different over there, right? So then you go back to your key players and if your first choice players do not have enough game time or they're coming back after breaks, then there's no guarantee that you know they might replicate their old form or they might play the way they have been playing over time and then that affects you as a team at the cost of the combination you often do not do well in these major hmm. tournaments then right and for india another problem has been injuries now talking about injuries we have had kl rahul who has recently come back and he has looked a pale shadow of himself he failed to score a 50 in his last five innings and even though he has scored a couple of 30s and that you know good knock versus afghanistan yesterday he hasn't, uh, you know, really made that impact. And his performances too haven't, uh, you know, inspired a lot of confidence. So what do you think is contributing to this indifferent form? And there's just so much criticism, right? That he just walks into the team anytime after injury and, you know, he's made captain. So how do you look at KL Rahul? I think with someone like KL, uh, his natural game is to, you know, just go out there. Uh, he doesn't take a lot of time to settle in, hmm. take the bowlers on and he's got that skill. He's got that flamboyance and class that, you know, he can take apart any bowling attack in any given condition, right? So, I think for KL Rahul, if you look at this Asia Cup, the couple of uh, earlier innings that he plays, he looked really patchy. He, he was struggling to get his uh, uh, tempo right, you know, because hmm. he's looking to take some time in the middle because he's coming back from an injury. He hasn't got those runs. And then as a player, you want to get the runs and all of that. But as an opener, I feel he's got to understand his role. I don't think he's got to put pressure on himself that I have to score a 50. As an opener, even if you can get a quick fire 30-40 in the first six overs, capitalize the power play, uh, build the base for the team, set that platform. You know, I think he's done his job then, fair enough. If you could get mm -hmm. a quick fire 40-50 or a 30-40, he's not... He, I think he's got to stick to his natural game and he's got to stick to his instincts. If you look at his IPL as well, you know, he's got the orange cap, he scores tons of runs and all of that. But mm -hmm. then again, there's constant criticism on his strike rate, right? So I think he's got to play, he's got to look to play with a lot more freedom, particularly given the batting lineup that we have. There are players behind him who can bring that stability. So I think he's got to clear his mind and just look to play his role in the power play. Obviously, if he gets set, you would want him to take it big. That is a different mm -hmm. thing. But his major role primarily, I feel, should be to get the team off to a good start. You know, stick to his natural style, uh, the fearless brand of cricket that he plays. And I shouldn't think he should be reserving or conserving himself. 
I completely agree with you, you know, because KL Rahul is a class apart. And when in full flow, he is uh, a sight to behold. Now, even when you look at India's batting, right, you have uh, Rohit Sharma, you have KL Rahul and Virat Kohli. Now, this is the, you know, coveted top three. Now, do you look at this as a strong batting lineup or are the horrors of 2007 and, you know, the whole transition phase and these players not being able to quite live up to that potential happening? Like, how do you make of uh, this batting lineup? If you ask me personally, I would still go in with Virat, Rohit and Rahul as the top three without a doubt, definitely, because when you're going into big tournaments and you're playing in overseas conditions, you need that experience at the top, right? These are guys yeah. who've been doing it for a longer period of time. Particularly, if you look at Rohit and Virat, they've been out there for so long, say what, 15 odd years or something, and mm. they know their game. They know how to pace the innings. They know how to take apart a bowling attack. They know what they're doing. So even if they aren't performing for a particular time period, you still need to back that experience going into a big tournament. And with uh, Rohit and Rahul opening, you have these two guys who are very, uh, you know, fearless. And uh, they play really strong in the power playovers. They can take any bowling attack on. Uh, we saw against Pakistan as well, you know, how they put them under pressure in those first six overs. So yeah. when these two guys can get going and then you have Virat coming in at three who can uh, stabilize the innings. If you look his innings against Afghanistan, he started from scratch. Hmm. He took his time, but then the acceleration that we saw at the back end, he's capable of doing that as well. So I still feel these would be my three core top three. I wouldn't want to make any changes over here. Without any doubt. Fair enough. And uh, even when we focus on the power play, right? Now, this is one of the most important uh, parts of the game where you need to score a lot of runs. And India has struggled in this period. Even, you know, playing spin, uh, the opposition has really read that part really well and, you know, get the spinners on it and really chokes India during that time. So, what do you think, you know, India can do differently to tackle this problem? I think, as you mentioned, the power play is a really key factor especially in a t20 format where you do not have a lot of time right hmm. so as batters for example we're looking at rohit and rahul they've got to have that understanding between themselves like say rohit is looking in really good touch and you know he's connecting the ball really well he's going against the bowling so then at that time uh, do you want rahul also to keep going from the other end or you want him to stabilize at one end and there's got to be that understanding right Obviously, yeah. you do need runs in the power play and that has been a problem for India that they haven't been able to capitalize. But if one player is going in a really good flow, then you've got to support him at the other end and you've got to make sure you keep wickets in hand yeah. in the power play yeah. because you can always accelerate at the back end, right? And uh, against playing against spin, I think traditionally Indian batters have been really good playing against spin, but they have struggled in the recent past. So they've, they've got to uh, figure out, I mean, they've, they've got out playing two rash shots to spin. You know, there's that inconsistency in uh, short selection or they've been, uh, they haven't been able to get their flow right. So that is something they'll have to work on. And as far as the power play is concerned, I still believe that you've got to look at the combination of both the openers. You don't want both of them. I mean, on their good day, if both of them are going against the bowling, fair enough, very good. You have fire from both ends. but Generally, you do need one to play that anchor role and one uh, to take on the innings, right? That's when you can make the most of the power plays, what I feel. Exactly. And, you know, talking about strategies as well, Rohit Sharma struggled to, you know, defend India's decision to go in with five regular bowlers for the second consecutive time. I think this was after we lost the game versus Sri Lanka. Now, having extra bowling op options is no longer a luxury, but I think it's kind of like a necessity in T20i, right? And uh, teams across the world have been using more than six bowling options, which has been working well as, you know, adapting to, you know, this changing balance between uh, bat and ball is something that we really need to acknowledge. So, what do you think, you know, and who do you think uh, India can use as this extra bowler? I definitely think in this era, with the game changing really fast, especially in D20 cricket, you need to have six bowlers. Hmm. I don't think you can go in with five because there will be days where one of your bowler has an off day or he just simply isn't getting his line or length right or the batters are putting a lot of pressure on him, they're picking up well. So, what do you do then? You've got to have that sixth or uh, probably seventh bowler who can maybe cover up for those couple of overs at that time, right? So you need to have uh, six bowlers. I don't think you can really go with uh, five, keeping that in mind. And again, 
like I said before, playing with five bowlers has been a problem for India and that lack of sixth bowler is probably a major reason why they've struggled in big tournaments. So hmm. we have got to look at playing six bowlers and we do have the options as well, I believe. Because if you look at the top five in this Asia Cup, you have Rohit, you have Rahul, you have Kale, probably uh, Pant, then you have Hardik and DK. So your batting is pretty much sorted over there. You have enough firepower there. So then why not you play six bowlers? Why do you have to go with five? You've, if you don't have Jadeja, you have someone like Anakshar Patel, you have Ravichandra Nashwin, you have Deepak Chahar as well, who's proved his metal with the bat. So yeah. if you have these guys who can contribute a bit with the bat as well, you've got Deepak Huda, I feel, who wasn't utilized enough with the ball. I mean, if you're playing him just as a batter and not as a bowler, there's no point in playing him there. So you've mm -hmm. got to play. When you do have options, I think you've got to make the most of your resources. And you have to play six bowlers there. There's, I don't think there's any way they can defend just playing five bowlers, particularly in this format at uh, this time, you know. Because T20 has always been a batting-friendly game. There's always been pressure on the bowlers. So the captain needs to have a luxury of having that sixth or seventh bowling option to give you that um, flexibility. Exactly. And this is something India will definitely have to uh, reconsider. And even when you look at India's team selections during the Asia Cup, it has been particularly hard to understand why, uh, you know, after the injury to Jadeja, India has experimented so much. Now, while Jadeja alongside Hardik is undoubtedly amongst the hardest places to replace in, I think one should remember that the star all-rounder has spent a considerable time on the sidelines, right, last year because he had injuries and there was so much happening. Now, how big of a loss is Jadeja to India's prospects? And who walks in as the immediate replacement? Now, earlier you also spoke about how Deepak Huda, you have Deepak Chair who can walk in. So, do you think India should, you know, just keep mixing it up with them? I think Jadeja's absence is definitely a big loss because uh, we obviously know what Jadeja can do with the ball. He's a genuine wicket taker, and on a day when he doesn't pick wickets as well, he's someone who can bowl with those tight lines and lengths, and he can contain the batters. Hmm. He can keep them shut from one end. So, and uh, he's improved his batting a lot over the last one, one and a half year, if you look. So, and uh, I think there's no one who can replace Jadeja in the field. He's a mm -hmm. gun fielder. He's a live wire over there as well. So he brings that three-dimensional game and uh, he's a total utility player. So Jadeja's loss is uh, going to be something that will, uh, you know, haunt India. But if you look at the options, I think someone like an Aksar Patel can come in for Jadeja because he's more or less... By close, the like-to-like -like replacement, mm. if you look at it, he also bowls left-arm orthodox. And uh, Aksar Patel, it's not like he hasn't proven himself or he doesn't have the capability. I mean, you cannot match Jadeja, but he, is, he isn't far behind. And he's worked on his batting as well in the recent past. So, I think Aksar Patel is someone who you could definitely have in place of Jadeja. And otherwise, as well, you do not want a lot of pressure on Hardik Pandya alone because, again, you've got to look at his workload and his injury factor because it hasn't been a lot of time since he's come back as well. And you cannot afford to lose him as well after Jadeja. So, India have got to look at those options. And at the moment, I feel Akshar Patel is the most like-to-like -like replacement you can have for Jadeja in this T20 side. Exactly. You know, Akshar Patel is one player who's often underestimated and he's such a clutch player, right? He really scores those uh, crucial runs, gets those crucial wickets. So I think going ahead, India will definitely, you know, consider him in the scheme of things. And, you know, just uh, focusing on someone like Deepak Huda, right? Now, in the two games that he did feature in versus Pakistan and Sri Lanka, he batted at number seven, he bowled just two overs. Now, so far, all his, uh, you know, success in international cricket, uh, as per the observation, has been that he bats really well when he's a top-order batter. Now, if Deepak Huda was picked as a pure finisher and not as a bowling option, why did the team, you know, simply not play Dinesh Karthik in a role he has become a specialist in? You know, Dinesh Karthik is, you know, really contributing as a finisher. But playing him out of position doesn't, you know, really make uh, sense. So what do you make of this and how can, you know, India navigate through the situation? I completely agree with the fact that playing someone out of 
position does not make sense because like you rightly mentioned, Deepak Hooda's success, even if you look at the IPL for Lucknow Super Giants, he was batting in the top order and against Ireland and England as well, where, you know, he did well, he was batting at the top. So you've prepared him as a top order batter and then all of a sudden in a multinational tournament where there's that additional pressure, you bring him and you expect him to play in the middle order or down the order, then I don't think that's going to work because he's acc accustomed to playing to a certain role and then if you change his role, that's not going to work out. And then it doesn't do justice to someone like a DK as well because ever since the last IPL, DK has been doing a phenomenal job as a finisher for RCB. And after that as well, when he played, the, he's played most of the games after the IPL as well. And he's done, he's done well. He won, game, he won his games against South Africa as well. So then if you aren't using Deepak Huda as an all-rounder, if you aren't using him as, using him as a sixth bowler, hmm. then I really do think you should be playing Dinesh Karthik, who is a designated finisher. I think he, if if he's accustomed and he's been, you've invested in him as a finisher, you've invested in him to play at that role and then you take him and you sit him out, it doesn't make sense. You've got to utilize the player when he's doing well in a particular role, right? Either you play Deepak Huda, make him bowl at least two or three overs a game so that you can also balance the workload with Hardik and that combination works out well. And if you do not want to bowl him, then you've got enough batting in the top five, six. So you play Deepak Huda, uh, sorry, you play Dinesh Karthik as a finisher at six. And now if there's no Jadeja as well, probably he could play at 6-7 as well. So I think they've got to look to use their resources right. You have the players and you have specific players playing, playing at specific roles. So uh, tinkering with those roles again uh, brings a certain amount of uncertainty to the mm -hmm. players also, right? So I, don't, so I think they've got to look to um, you know, use the resources right and play a player who's well to that position. That's actually such a good point you bring up, you know, about giving role clarity to the players because they absolutely need it. You know, these are new players coming into the setup and they need that kind of stability, you know, to uh, ensure that they can actually put in their best efforts and get results for India as well. And uh, even while we reflect on bowling options that India has, now Hardik Pandya has been the team's most valuable player. He's had a golden IPL. His return to international cricket has been nothing short of phenomenal too, right? No, but relying on exactly. him as this, you know, four-over uh, bowler is still a risky choice. Uh, how do you look at this situation of, you know, relying on Hardik Pandya in the absence of someone like a Jaspreet Bumrah and Harshal Patel now? I definitely agree with you that uh, uh, relying on Hardik Pandya as a four-over bowler could really be a risky choice. And if you ask me, I would still say Hardik Pandya, the batter, is preferable over Hardik mm -hmm. Pandya, the bowler, because... Even if you look at the IPL and the games post that, he's been at his very best with the bat, right? He's looked really lethal and he just gives you that faith and confidence that he can win you games as a batter, more as a bowler. I mean, yes, you do need that luxury. Uh, we've been talking about the sixth bowling option and all of that. So you would ideally want him to bowl four hours, but on a day, if Hardik has done really well with the bat, then I don't think you would want to utilize a lot of him with uh, bowling those four hours as well because you don't want to drain him or strain him out again because like you said, he is the MVP and at this point, India really, really cannot afford to miss Hardik out or another injury to Hardik because he is one of our X-factor players. So mm -hmm. there comes in someone like uh, Deepak Chahar or uh, probably someone like an Akshar Patel who can give you those couple or two, three overs in the middle that reduces the pressure on Hardik. Exactly. So we'll have to see how, you know, Hardik Pandya can uh, probably just improve a little bit on that bowling skill uh, because, you know, he really does bring in so much value with his uh, batting. And, uh, you know, talking of baffling things, uh, it is quite hard to understand why India, you know, did not replace Avesh Khan with Deepak Chahir immediately after he was diagnosed and, you know, waited until the second game in the tournament as short as this one. And also, uh, moreover, you know, do you also think about this as to why Team India travelled to Dubai with just like three fast bowlers in the 15-man squad when you know the conditions kind of, you know, do favour uh, pacers as well? And it was quite confusing. So how, how did uh, you look at this situation? Um, speaking of Deepak Chahar, I definitely think he should have been in the squad right from the beginning, irrespective of whether Avesh Khan was there or not. Hmm. Because... 
again it takes me back to one point like why have india been choking in multinational tournaments huh. because there's also been one inability that we aren't picking up enough wickets in the power play if you look at it right mm-hmm. and deepak chahar is someone who can swing the ball both ways he can get it out he can bring it in as well he can really utilize those stoppers and he is the problem to i mean he is the solution to our problem of not being able to pick enough wickets in the power play so i really think deepak chahar should have been the right from the start and he can contribute he can contribute with the bat down the order as well so with deepak chahar coming in i think it changes it changes the combination to a large extent and it gives you that uh, stability in the combination like he can contribute both ways as i said and now as well with the uh, six games coming up against australia and mm-hmm. uh, south africa i really feel deepak chahar should be playing all those six games because like you mentioned jasprit bumrah Ashal Patel, we aren't sure whether they're going to recover in time or not. Bhuvneshwar Kumar hasn't been as consistent with his accuracy. Hmm. So then, with not enough or quality bowling options, I think they've got to play Deepak Chahar in all the games. And again, uh, coming to the point that they took only three fast bowlers, I think that is also a baffling choice because see, Avesh Khan and Ashdeep Singh aren't. that enough experience playing at the international level right i mean playing and doing well against uh, other teams in bilateral series and then coming in a multinational tournament is a different ball game together that's different pressure so when two youngsters like them do not do well the pressure large part of the pressure shifts on someone like a bhuvneshwar kumar who's the pace who's the leader of the pack here in the asia cup with bumrah missing out and that takes a toll on his performance as well we did see bumrah struggle for uh, sorry uh bhuvi struggle for mm-hmm. consistency right so that is where you need to have your options sorted someone like a deepak chahar should have been there they could probably have uh, uh, considered someone like a mohammad shami as well so you cannot just be relying on two or three of these players particularly when you have someone like arshdeep and uh, these guys you know who haven't had enough experience at the international level yet mm. and uh, even when we talk about experience and form now dinesh karthik has had a golden run right you know playing for rcb he was so consistent and uh, i really feel dinesh karthik was sparingly used by india in this tournament now rishabh pant has directly taken his spot you know because he's a left hander india wants to have a left hander in the scheme of things and i think when we look at rishabh pant right he is without doubt a generational talent who has already established himself as an all-time great for india now in test cricket he is unmatched but when you have a look at his limited uh, you know overs uh, numbers it is not very uh, it doesn't paint a really good picture right especially his t20i numbers are super underwhelming and this is not a format he looks very convincing in although you know he leads delhi capitals in the ipl so what are your thoughts in the same i definitely think uh, the only reason behind rishabh pant coming in was after jadeja going out that they needed a left hander uh, in the 11 and that is justifiable to an extent but again as you mentioned rishabh pant hasn't looked at his very best in the t20 format you know he's done phenomenally well in the test format in the recent past if you look at it but his white ball numbers don't do enough justice to his talent like you touched upon and again coming back to someone like uh, dinesh karthik he's been doing really well as a finisher and time and again he's proven himself proven himself not just in the ipl but also in the games for india that he's played preceding the ipl so i really feel when someone like a pant isn't doing well you're giving him uh, consistent games and you aren't playing someone like a dk who's been doing well in that role mm-hmm. then i think it's a waste of the form of a player you are wasting the form of someone like dinesh karthik who's doing well at this moment so we don't know if you if you are going to rest dinesh karthik what if he loses his touch because mm-hmm. of uh, you know lack of uh, game time so then then it comes down to like uh, you know you are again you are in a dilemma you are in a trouble that you have these two guys who whom do you pick between the two guys then so mm-hmm. i think at the moment I think at the really at the moment Dinesh Karthik would be my preferable choice over Rishabh Pant. I know they are going to take both of them to Australia for sure. They are probably mm-hmm. taking both of them, but my choice at the moment would be Karthik over Pant. 
Exactly. That is a good point. But even if you want to look at left-handed batting options, you have someone like an Ishan Kishan too, right? Now, he has also had some uh, good games in uh, IPL as well. And I think he has been sidelined from the team, you know. They mostly uh, take him as a makeshift opener. But do you ever think of, you know, using Ishan Kishan as this floater, using him down the order? And any particular reason why you think he's continuously being overlooked? Is it because of inconsistencies or how do you look at the situation? I think it again comes down to uh, spoil for choices because if you look at that top order, there's Rohit, there's Rahul, there's Virat and then comes uh, Sky and then comes mm. Pan. So where is the place for you to play someone like an Ishan Kishan? Because he is also an opener and he's whatever success he's had, be it for India or with the Mumbai Indians in the IPL, that has mm -hmm. come batting as an opener or probably at the top of the order. If you have Ro uh, Rohit and Dikok opening, then you have him coming in at three in the IPL. So, but your top three, top four are really sorted coming to this Indian lineup. So, I don't see a space for Ishan Kishan coming in to the side. And using him as a floater, I really don't think you could use him down the order or in the middle order because... He's someone, again, who, you know, plays that fearless brand of cricket at the top of the order. And there might be days where he looks off-colour and he, ne he needs some time in the middle. And then when you're batting in the middle order in a T20 format, you do not have much time to settle yourself in, right? So, I don't think Ishan Kishan at the moment really fits in the scheme of things. Looking at the combination is uh, probably a reason why, you know, he's being left out. Going in the longer run, if... Pant isn't giving you those results, then you could probably have Ishan Kishan coming in. But at the moment, I don't see him don't see him uh, fitting in the team balance. Right. Now, we've spoken so much about the batting too. And uh, when we look at the bowling unit uh, during this Asia Cup specifically, it has looked rather toothless and it lacks the X factor. You know, we, we are certainly missing the likes of Jasmeet Bumrah and Harshal Patel. And the dreaded question is that, you know, how is India's bowling, you know, in the lead-up to the T20 World Cup? Now, do you think it's time for the team management to, uh, you know, still trust the youngsters like Ashdeep and Avesh Khan? Or, you know, take a radical decision, you know, and get in someone like uh, Mohamed Shami for the, uh, for the T20Is and actually mix things up? I think you, you really need to have a quality bowling attack if you've got to go on and win ICC tournaments. And that is something that has lagged in this Asia Cup. Obviously, we didn't have Bumrah and Harshal uh, due to injury. But, you know, if you look at the bowling attack of, uh, say, someone like a Pakistan, even they were missing uh, Shaheen Shah Afridi. They didn't have Mohammad Wasim Jr., then Shanawas Dani was also out after one or two games, I feel. But they could still bring in, uh, they could still bring that pressure on with just five bowlers, and they did really well against India, right? So at this moment, I don't think we have enough quality with this set because Bhuvneshwar Kumar again struggled for his accuracy and consistency. Arshdeep and Avesh Khan, they've done well in patches, but they haven't given us enough faith that we can bank on them. So, mm -hmm. I really feel the management should be bringing in someone like a Mohamed Shami at this point. Because if you look at Shami's numbers in the last four IPL seasons, I'd like to just bring that out. 2019, mm -hmm. he's picked up 19 wickets at an economy of 8.68. 2020, he's picked up 20 wickets at an economy of 8.57. Okay. 21, 19 wickets at 7.50. And 22, 20 wickets at an economy of 8.00. Wow. So, if you have someone who's consistently picking up wickets and who's had an economy rate of under 9 as a fast bowler in a T20 format, mm -hmm. I think he's doing really well. And it is it is somewhere an injustice if you aren't bringing Mohamed Shami in with these stats in the IPL that he has. Hmm. Because he's also someone who can swing the ball both ways. He can bowl you those bouncers, those slower ones. He's got the variations. He's got the pace as well. He can bowl at the depth as well. So, I think Shami is a complete package. He's got everything it takes. He's got the experience. He's got good numbers to back him up as well in the previous four IPL seasons. So, I do not see why Shami should not be there. I definitely feel Shami should be boarding that plane because in case you don't have someone like a Bumrah or a Harshal, then you really need to have him. Or even otherwise, if you're playing Bumrah, Harshal, hmm. you cannot rely on Hardik to be your outright third seamer, right? Yeah. And with Bhuvi not looking as good as he has been in the past, I really feel Shami could be that third pacer 
belong uh, third pacer after Bumrah and Herschel. I really feel Shami should be in should be boarding that flight to Australia for sure. Exactly, and you know, here's hoping he does get uh, some of those opportunities in the series that precedes the T20 World Cup as well. Now, through this episode, we have critiqued India and, you know, uh, we just were trying to evaluate their T20 uh, formula as well. But I think there were still some positives for India from this Asia Cup. We had uh, Kohli, who showed, you know, flashes of coming back to his best. And he scored that commendable century yesterday. And I know as a Virat fan, you must have been, you know, uh, so excited to see that happening. Such a relief. (laughs) <laughs> exactly and we had Ashdeep who bowled his heart out at the death he did he was a little expensive and he had some unfortunate uh, memes and trolls you know because of that drop catch but he still looked so confident and so balanced right and we also had Chehel who looked good and KL Rahul scored a uh, crucial 50 in the last game there have been positives for India that we can definitely take in our stride right I think cricket is such a game where there is definitely room for positives be it and a tournament or a series or even a single game for that matter. Hmm. You've always got something to take away. Like you mentioned, Virat Kohli coming back to his form. If you look at the 250s that he scored previously, Hmm. he still, you know, wasn't looking at his usual best. He was looking scratchy. He was looking to play a bit hard. You know, he was looking someone who was desperate for runs. But then if you look at his previous innings against Afghanistan, you know, he opened the batting. He started from zero. He took his time. He paced his innings. And uh, then at the back end, you saw his strike rate went over 300, 400. So he's someone who could really accelerate. And if you look back at the Virat Kohli of 2016, 17, 18, Mm -hmm. that has been his template of batting, right? Like he starts slow. He knows how to go in the middle overs. He knows to pace the innings. He knows which bowler he's got to pick. And Mm -hmm. then he accelerates and he comes out, not out, most often than not. He's someone who can carry the innings. And if he gets going, he can do... Everything, the role of an opener, mid-lot batter, finisher, you do not need anyone else on a day when there is a Virat Kohli show. So he showed that template in the previous game, which is something really positive. And like you mentioned, KL Rahul as well, he wasn't looking at his best as well. He was looking scratchy as well. And Mm -hmm. that 50 in the previous game would do a ton of good to his confidence. Arshdeep Singh as well, after facing so much criticism under pressure, uh, he, he also did well to a considerable extent. And it is good for youngsters like these to be put into such pressure situations, right? Because that is yeah. when they get that experience going into bigger tournaments. And uh, Yuzi Chahal as well. I think Yuzi is undoubtedly our premier spinner hmm. because he's someone, again, who bowls his heart out. You know, he's not afraid to toss the ball up. He knows the batters are going to go after him, but he's someone who can buy you wickets hmm. with the way he bowls. Like, he's a very clever customer if you look at him. So, I think there are a lot of positives. Rohit Sharma as well in the game against uh, Pakistan, he he batted really Ah. well. So, I think there are a lot of positives definitely to take away. Mm -hmm. And uh, going into the T20 World Cup, they'd only look to build on these positives with the six games that they have against Australia and uh, South Africa. Agreed. And uh, while, you know, the Asia Cup defeat does uh, serve as a wake-up call for Team India, it has come too late for the team to, you know, make any drastic changes, right? Uh, I think besides just incorporating the players who are injured back into the playing 15, it still uh, is imperative to see how India goes about. Now, more or less, if, you know, this is the group of players that will make the trip to Australia, uh, do you think, you know, India is placed well? Like, is this scary times or are we jumping the gun too soon because, you know, of this one hiccup that we had on our way to the World Cup? Uh, to be honest, I do think we are jumping the gun too soon because this is, mm-hmm. as you said, probably pretty much the 15 or the, uh, the set of players who are going to go to Australia. And if you look at the batting, the top 5-6, I don't think there's a lot to think of whether it is really sorted. Uh, the only concern would be Bumrah and Harshal, would they be fit or not? Mm-hmm. Who comes in for Jadeja? Do you bring in an Akshar Patel? Do you keep him out or do you play Deepak Huda? And uh, again, the role uh, of uh, uh, Rishabh Pant and Dinesh Karthik, who's playing, who's not playing. These are a few things, uh, keeping the combination in perspective that they'll have to look at. But otherwise, mm-hmm. this is pretty much uh, the set of players who are uh, going in. And you've got to back these players. You've This is the core, this is the set that you have. And now, I don't think we do have enough time to make uh, chopping or changing. And again, that wouldn't serve well for the team. These are the guys. You've got to back them. And I do not feel these are uh, scary times just yet. I feel we are decently well placed. 
right and i will ask you you know the uh, burning question a little later on as to you know an early prediction for the uh, t20 world cup but uh, i think it was after the loss against sri lanka that rohit sharma said you know that we are 90% settled and uh, you know this was when he was asked about india's team combination for the t20 world cup so what is the truth in this fact right because i mean india did have a tough asia cup but do you really think we are 90% settled and the 10% is something we will uh, figure out in the due course of time uh yeah i do think india did have a tough asia cup in terms of those two games and we didn't do mm-hmm. well but i think i pretty much agree with rohit because we do have a 90% settled combination now if you look at the top 5 6 you have rohit virat rahul you have uh, suryakumar coming at 4 you have hardik coming at 5 then probably pant or dk at 5 or 6 or akshar at 7 if they do bring in akshar yeah. patel and then you have bumrah and harshal who are uh, your two first choice pacers then either bhuvneshwar kumar or arshdeep singh or probably mohammad shami but i think and then you have uzi chand who's a sure shot one of the spinners so mm-hmm. majority of these guys are sure that we know these are the guys who are going to the uh, to australia so i i do feel there are a few areas where we have to ponder upon uh, keeping mm-hmm. the combination in mind but we are pretty much sorted i i at this point i really do feel looking at the asia cup squad Uh, that we are pretty much sorted with our eleven. The you know considering how uh, this T Twenty World Cup is something all of us are looking forward to. Almost every single point we have spoken so far in the episode, you know, just ends with us telling you know this is for the T Twenty World Cup. Now, do you think another failure down under will certainly force the selectors to you know go for an overhaul in this uh, shortest format that we've been struggling in? And uh, do you think it would be a bad idea if that happens? at this point of time i really do not feel that you know we've got to go for an overall or make drastic changes because mm-hmm. if you look at this 11 now there's this talk of having t20 specialists and having one format players uh-huh. but then if you look at a team like india you have most of these guys who are playing all three formats you have kl rohit virat bumrah all of these guys who play all the three formats right so yeah. then who are your actual t20 specialists there there's someone like surakumar yadav who you could say or someone like hardik pandya someone like dinesh karthik but then these are the guys who are going in uh, to the t20 world cup right mm-hmm. someone like uh, these guys like virat bumrah rohit all of them they are also people who give their best no matter whichever format they play i mean they are specialists in all three formats that's why they are playing all three formats so yeah. i don't yeah. see this old talk of t20 specialists coming up and i really don't feel at this moment there is a drastic need for an overall because even if suppose sadly we do not do well in this t20 world cup you have another t20 world cup coming up just after a year in 2024 yes. mm-hmm. so yes. in just one year's time with the odi world cup coming in as well do you really have enough time to bring up another set of players who could you know be as strong enough to go into a big tournament an icc mm-hmm. tournament so i think for these 2 3 years these are the set of guys who've got to be back obviously you will have some players coming in that's all, uh, the experimentation and all of that experimentation isn't going to stop but more or less largely i feel this is the set that has to be back until the 2024 t20 world cup as well i i really do not see the need for a drastic overhaul in the shortest format at this point of time exactly you know backing your players is extremely important and here's hoping the team management doesn't really tinker a lot with uh, you know the 15 that's chosen and uh, one last question before we leave you what's your early prediction for the t20 world cup or do you think it's too early to you know get into the get into this discussion considering india still has some uh, series and you know we still have time to figure out our uh, a combination that would you know eventually play for the t20 world cup I mean as Indian cricket fans we definitely want to see them in the finals and uh, winning the trophy as well yeah. and undoubtedly India will go in as one of the strong favorites to win the T20 World Cup no doubt mm-hmm. but I think it is like you mentioned a bit too early because we've got two crucial series against Australia and South Africa coming up mm-hmm. before the T20 World Cup so I think the focus primarily has to be on these two series and what india should ideally be looking at in these two series if you ask me is not experimenting or bringing up other uh, players or trying out different combinations but to actually test out 
the right combination like you pick a set yes. of right combination like these are going to be our this is going to be our best 11 or our best 15 who are going to australia and then then you test out these 15 players so then you know like who's playing who who's fitting in at which role or where do you need to make changes within these 15 so you don't have to look beyond them to make a lot of uh, changes in the squad and how they are gelling together mm. and because these two series are really going to decide where we stand going in to the uh, T20 World Cup. So they shouldn't be looking at experimentation or even looking at uh, how far they are going to go in the T20 World Cup. I don't think they should be looking that far ahead at the moment, but just look at picking the right combination mm. and then testing out and backing that combination in these six games. So you know you're pretty much confident and sure that these are the set of guys who are going out there and probably could win us the T20 World Cup as well. That's actually such a good point because, you know, T20 is such a volatile format and having stability is crucial. So I really hope that, you know, India does play the preferred playing 11 during these two series. I know, I'm not sure if uh, Bumrah and Harshal Patel will be back, but if they're back, it will be really good, right? To uh, test the waters and understand what is the best uh, team combination and yeah that pretty much does conclude our uh, discussion on india's t20 formula thank you so much rishab you know for taking time off your busy schedule and joining me to do this i know you're sick but you're still doing this it really shows your passion uh, for cricket and this was a phenomenal conversation i'm pretty sure the listeners will absolutely love uh, the way you know this whole conversation has gone and i really can't wait to have you back on the podcast you know to discuss some more interesting things that's uh, happening in the world of cricket take care and see you in college tomorrow i think it's funny how i've never said this to a guest and this is probably the first you know for this podcast where i've had a classmate on so yay on that i guess <laughs> yeah it's it's always a pleasure talking about cricket and particularly with someone who's as uh, interested and as passionate about the game, then I think it's a really whole uh, different level of talk that you have. And it's been a, it's mm-hmm. really been a pleasure for me to be here and I would definitely love to be back because who doesn't like discussing about cricket, right? <laughs> and yeah. we cricket fanatics, we can go talking about for hours and hours together. So I'd really love to be back and have more of discussions and yeah, definitely see you in class tomorrow. <laughs> I think that's something really awkward to be saying on a podcast, but yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Just keeping it real. But uh, thank you so much, Rishabh. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. With this, we draw curtains on the episode that served as a discussion on India's T20 formula. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into this episode and for your unstinted support. Please follow and press the bell icon on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcast for the latest episode updates and stay tuned. Do check out at the rate never on the back foot on Instagram and at the rate never on the back one on Twitter for the latest facts, terminology, retweets, fresh tweets and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season just for you. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast and a lot of other platforms. So please do spread the word. Until next time, stay safe and take care listeners. Bye for now.